Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Well, welcome everyone. Thanks to today sh- for coming to today's show. We have a wonderful lineup today. It's very interesting. Uh, just like we usually do, we have a mix of advisors, authors, and thought leaders that are going to share their best tips, ideas, and precautions for you so that you can be well-planned. And my first guest is Eileen Stevens, and she's joining us from Culture Index in Charlotte, North Carolina. And Eileen's going to talk about assembling the right team to take over and grow your business. So, Eileen, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, Eileen. Tell us a little bit about you and what you do at Culture Index. Uh, Essentially, what we do is I work with business owners, CEOs, presidents, looking at who they have in their organization and are the people in the right seats on the bus. Uh, Most of my business owners, when they first start with me, they'll have some people that are performing really well in their organization and some people that are struggling. And we look to get the people in the right seats on the bus. Okay, so you're using Jim Collins' uh, terminology there from good to great, of course, and that's a great book. And it's uh, it's a great theory because a lot of times people have uh, people on the bus, but they're not facing the right way and they're not in the right seats. And so how do you, do, how do you assess that? How do you come in and, and say, look, this person's way out of whack. What, what's the first step? The first step is to take uh, a survey. Uh, it takes the average person about eight to ten minutes, and the information within that survey is very telling. Um, Bill, if you and your your listeners have children, you know that pretty much by the time somebody's out of preschool, they're fairly hardwired on who they're going to be for life. Certainly by the time they're a teenager, we're not going to change that. So when they show up to an organization, they are who they are. What we look at is how does this person think so that we put them in the right role. In the sales arena, is this somebody that can ask for the order or is this somebody that's just very good at being persuasive but cannot ask for the order? Is this a hunter or a farmer? Or um, in the, you know, when somebody goes to exit their business, can your children run the business? Do they have really what it takes? The person that's maybe your number two that you're thinking about selling the business to is this somebody that can actually grow the business or is this somebody that's going to be more of a maintaining what you have grown? Okay, I have a delicate question for you. And that is, what happens when you find out that the child or the key person isn't the right person? Does the owner, uh, how does the owner receive that? Because I've been in a number of situations where they say, well, we're going to try it anyway. (laughs) And it doesn't work. (laughs) Well, exactly. Um, it it doesn't work. It depends on what you really want out of that situation. We've got several clients who have successfully transitioned their businesses to other people, but just like we all have our own set of strengths and weaknesses, we want to hire to that. And it doesn't mean that the children or that number two in command can't have a role in the company, but they might not be the person actually running the company. Sometimes you bring an outside person in who manages the business, and the children still work in it. They're just not actually running it. 
Okay, but that, of course, can create some, uh, oh, boy, you know, I've been around the block a few times, I'm sure you have, where I've been in situations where the sun, you just realize the sun doesn't have the respect of the workers, um, the managers, Mm -hmm. but the owner says, but this is my son, and this is who I, this is what I want. Um, So I I would imagine it's best to learn this uh, information as early as possible before you make any promises or move down down the road too far on your planning. Is this a good uh, uh, way to hire someone right right out? Is that the best time to to figure out where what seat on the bus they fit into when they're being hired? Absolutely, because we're not going to change who they are. We can always fill in a knowledge gap. For somebody, we can always teach them what it is that we do, but we're never going to change who they are. So we want to start right at the hiring process, getting that right person, and then onboarding them, managing and motivating them in a way that it makes sense. Because it really is a war on talent right now. Mm -hmm. For the next 15 years, this market is going to just get tighter and tighter. And so we really need to keep our top employees, and we have to understand who they are and what they're looking for. And it's not always just an increase in pay. We also don't want to promote people into a situation where they're just not going to be successful. They might be successful, very successful at a certain job, and then we give them a promotion and ask them to manage and motivate others, and that doesn't always work. We want to know that before we make that expensive mistake. You said something in that phrase there, um, war on talent for the next 15 years. Could you briefly explain to our listeners why that is so? Mm -hmm. Well, as you know, our baby boomers are starting to retire. Um, so we have going to have less people in the marketplace at the same time that the economy is going to continue to increase. And in the U.S., we're even bringing things like manufacturing jobs back. And so we really have a situation where we've, we have more work than we actually have the right talent for. So we need to get very creative in getting in and finding those right people early on, and then we have to be we have to keep those top people. Um, I have a client who lost an engineer, a seasoned engineer, hired somebody younger, less experienced, and cost him ten thousand dollars a year more. We want to avoid that mistake. And by the way, that was before they became a client of mine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> of course. So so we have this this uh, divergence of. Um, of two things happening the the knowledge workers the baby boomers age 50 plus workers are starting to think about leaving the workforce and of course they're very valuable and then there's not as many workers behind them to fill in the jobs uh and so the people that are remaining in the workforce um uh, are become more and more valuable that's what we're getting at here right exactly well put okay so so how important is it? So what what are, is your experience? How important is it to have the right leaders under the CEO? And what's an example of someone that you came into and said, you know, before they're on the wrong seats uh, and they're facing the wrong way. And after you got them aligned, what were some of the results uh, that you saw? Okay, well, I've got uh, one, several clients, but one in particular comes to mind with that question, Bill. And this is somebody that uh, took over a business. Uh, this is somebody that's a natural-born leader, and he took over a business and had to replace about uh, over a year, about 25% of his workforce. And his sales have since doubled. His profits have gone up, and he's looking to double again. And Great. that was so, simply by placing out mm-hmm. some of the people. 
So a lot of pain there to get there. But that's what it takes sometimes in these situations is you have to deal with realities, look at the analysis. Now, do do some people say, yeah, I know these tests, I know how they work, um, but they're not always right. I'm going to go with what I've got. Does the gut feeling... Is the gut feeling a, a bad indicator when you're hiring somebody or when you're when you're keeping somebody around? Is it better to look at the science of what's been developed and and understand that it's it, it's a good replacement for that gut feeling? It is a good replacement because left around devices, we tend to hire people like ourselves because we identify with them. So if we're asking them to do the same kind of thing that we're good at, it's not a problem. It's when we're asking them to do something different. And honestly, Bill, people who are naturally persuasive just interview better and are better at convincing people for what they want. It doesn't mean they can actually do the job better. So we have to do we have to do something to keep ourselves from making stupid human decisions because every time we get that wrong, it's much more expensive than people actually realize. It's anywhere between three and nine times that person's salary. I just worked with a brand-new client a couple months ago, and one of their facilities, uh, we figured the capacity-wise to where they are to where they should be. We netted that out top line. That was a million-dollar mistake on the two people they had running the organization. Hmm. Wow. I bet people, you know, people probably don't really think in terms of that, but it, it's a huge endeavor to uh, find, train, uh, you know, everything that goes into a new employee coming in, uh, and especially like you said these days with the war on talent. Now, have you ever heard have you ever heard the sailboat analogy for companies in hiring? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, the sailboat analogy is pretty simple. It's just another way to, to visualize it for a business owner. When, you, when you're when you hiring for positions in a company, think of a sailboat. You need one sail. You need one keel. You need one rudder. You don't need five sails and no rudder and no keel on a sailboat. Mm-hmm. You have to have the right parts in the right place. And that's that's just a simple analogy. But uh, what's the, how do you get the best payout for your company? How does a business owner do that? Uh, two things. One, you want to start, uh, you know, about five years out, um, and you want to make sure that you've got the right people in sales and the right people then in operations because you want to have that highest dollar value when you decide to sell. Then you also want to know who is buying your company because if you've built this company, it is your baby. You want it to go on and prosper. So we don't want to just sell to anybody. We want to know that we're selling to somebody that can grow it. The other thing is if we are selling to somebody and we're going to do a several-stage payout of that business, we it's really essential. We make sure we've got somebody in that organization that can continue to grow the business rather than somebody that's going to go in and maintain or potentially shrink the business because you're going to start losing some of that uh, money that you deserve for doing what it takes to be an entrepreneur and grow a business. Yeah, and a lot of times your payout it might be at risk in some kind of an earnout where three years down the road you you know if your business hasn't grown or at least survived because your key employees left after the sale you're in big trouble, aren't you? Uh, yes, yes, you are, and I've seen that happen a lot. I had uh, one company went from 21 million in sales one year to seven when they bring up, brought in the wrong general manager. Wow, that's awful. That's just, can you imagine? Mm-hmm. I mean, here you are ready to, 
uh, sail off into the sunset, and uh, and all of a sudden you realize that you're not going to be able to do that. You might even have to buy back your business, or uh, it's just an awful situation. It happens to a lot of business owners, so we want to prevent that. Now, how important is it to uh, talk to employees and, and work on some kind of a motivation or retention program as you think maybe I'm five years from selling my business, how important is it to lock those people in at that time? Uh, it's it's critical. If you don't get those key people to buy in and understand what you're doing and the why and that there's in it something in it for them or it's a safe environment, they're going to be okay, whatever that particular person needs, if we don't address those needs, particularly your high-impact players, are going to leave. And those and, are the ones that you essentially want to keep. Well, and those are the ones that you're you're telling your story about. I've heard I've interviewed a lot of M and A people, a lot of uh, mergers and acquisition professionals, and they say the most important waiting in any sale is the discussion about your people, who who are your leaders, your managers, and if if your managers are all this. Here's a tip for you, business owners. If your managers are all within a couple years of your age and they've been with you for a long time, they're probably thinking about retiring at the same time you leave, and that's not a good scenario for getting most value, wouldn't you say, Eileen? Yes. You know, we always need to be building our bench from people retiring, needing to move, what, getting ill, whatever the situation is. If we don't have bench strength, we're leaving ourselves very vulnerable as an organization. Good point. Good point. So, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about a family business and, and children as successor owners or, or uh, managers of the business, because a lot of uh, businesses are family businesses, especially the smaller businesses are are family businesses. And they're saying, uh, we're not ever going to sell to an outsider, but we need to continue. You know, the, the owner, let's say that the mom and dad, the owners are depending on that business to provide retirement cash flow because uh, and turning it over to their kids. So can children run a business? Um, what, are, what are some things that can go uh, to, to make things go right, and what are some things that can go wrong? All right, so it really depends on who that child is. Sometimes it can work, but as you and I both know, when we look at second and third generation organizations, you know, a lot of them don't survive. So we have to look and see who that child is and see if they are the right person to run the business. And if they're not, they can still be in the business. They just may not be running the business. And while that is a hard thing to swallow as a parent, I've got three kids, I understand. One of them can run a business. My other two probably can't. So I understand that uh, that emotional dichotomy there. The other flip side of that is is when we put somebody in a situation, in a role in an organization that they're really not wired to be in, we cause a lot of undue stress on that individual and the people around them. So we're really not doing our kids a favor or an employee a favor. When we put them in a role, they're really not wired to do. And everybody's got their strengths and weaknesses. We know that. So it's not it's not that you're saying this child doesn't deserve to uh, – to be in the business, it's just that you're saying that they're not qualified. They may not have the experience and what it takes to run a business. And so if you have, let's say you have uh, one child in the business that's been uh, adept at running the business and another one that's just uh, a good employee, uh, what are some of the ways that, that you can approach that? 
you know, it's as a as a parent or a business owner, when you're looking at passing on to your children, it's essential that we set very clear expectations and we set the equality of what they're going to get in the estate correctly. So let's say we've got a, a child who actually can run a business, who's a an entrepreneur mindset. They may get the business and the other children maybe get assets. Okay. Okay, so so you look at what's called estate equalization or uh, if you work with a good estate planning attorney, they can talk to you about different ways to get everybody what they need, but you might still have problems with attitudes with regards to that. So you have to coach that very carefully and approach that very carefully when you have a, uh, do you advocate family meetings and things like that to talk about these issues early on? Yes, the earlier the better. And one of the things that we want to address with our children, our number two employee, whoever it is that we are thinking about, you know, that that has an expectation that they should run the business, when we know that that's not going to be a good fit for them, as we talk about what that job really entails in the nitty-gritty and all those expectations and all those things that they're going to have to do that are going to be a significant challenge for them, most of the time they'll decide for themselves you're right, this isn't a good fit for me. I'd rather be over here. You know, most people when they go to work or, or in an organization, they want to do a good job. They really do. It's sometimes we that put them in the wrong roles and cause undue stress on themselves and those around them. And if a parent or a parent uh, group is trying to talk to these employees Without some kind of a an evaluation like what you offer, it can get very emotional, I would imagine. So it would be very much to the benefit of everyone to have an assessment done to show the strengths and weaknesses uh, so that everybody could say, oh, yeah, that's me. And now I see uh, and they can say, look, we're making this based on the facts, based on the uh, the the assessment, based on your strengths and weaknesses, not because we don't like you, not because you, you know you did poor, you yeah, were exactly. bad in school, right? And that and that's really <laughs> important to shift that family dynamic from from emotions to facts in a business environment, uh, because what's at stake, and we say this a lot here at Exacoach Radios, is you know you need to you want to have happy Thanksgivings forever, and you're only going to do that if you uh, if you can get the emotions out of the equation and say we made the decision based on facts. Let me ask you a question, Eileen. How often does someone take an assessment test, look at it, read the results, and say, wow, that's me perfectly? Uh, 99.9% of the time. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I've taken those myself, and it's it's uncanny with um, with relatively little information and, and data and questions at how, uh, how right on they can be. So it's very yeah, important. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, the science behind it is rock solid. It's very, very thorough. So when you when you take an assessment and you then start to use this information, first of all, you want to make sure you've got the best assessment on the market that you're using because you are going to be using that information. But like you said, Bill, it takes the emotion out and puts it into data and statistics, and it helps everybody understand their strengths and weaknesses and how they can better communicate with others. It's fantastic information. It's been um, 
Great talking with you today, Eileen. And you're offering our listeners a no-obligation demo to assess the strengths and weaknesses of their leadership team. Uh, how would they get in touch with you to uh, to ask for that? Uh, two ways: either the cell, you know, my phone seven zero four seven four six nine three zero one, or you can shoot me a quick email, and it's e Stevens, so e s t e p h e n s at the letter C, the word index, I-N-D-E-X, com. And what I always recommend for people is, you know, let's take a look at your organization, survey your leadership team. In addition, survey some people who are your rock stars in the organization. Survey some that are struggling with the work that, that uh, we're giving them, and don't tell me who's who. Okay, Eileen, thanks for Eileen Stevens of Culture Index. And uh, again, it's E Stevens, S T E P H E N S, at C for Culture Index Inc.com. Eileen, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a great pleasure, and I hope to talk to you again soon and go deeper on this topic. Thank you, Bill. Have a great day. Thanks. We're going to be right back after this message, so please stay with us, and uh, we'll, have, we'll have another guest in about a minute and a half. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 